welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. So we thank uh, Joey Tucker. Let's see, is Joey here today? So, well, I'll thank him. I know Larissa, I see his wife is here, Larissa and Haley. So you can let him know I thanked him for that. Those very kind words last Sunday for our pastor appreciation, staff appreciation Sunday. It is, I appreciate all your uh, generous notes of, uh, 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 notes of encouragement to Sherry and I. In my 16 and a half years of being a pastor, I have never met a church member I don't like. There's been some close calls. Open your Bible to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 26 and 27. And then we're going to flip over our Bibles and look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. Then we're going to flip all, all the way over. So there's three Bible passages today. We're going to look here at Revelation chapter 20. And we are wrapping up a sermon series on temptation called Tempted. We're going to look at how the devil tempts us. How the devil is a roaring lion. How the devil looks for opportunities in our life to cause us to sin, to pull us away from God. And it's all around us. And the Bible warns us, and so much of being a devout Christian, living the Christian life, living a life of the Lord, is making sure you don't find yourself on the sidelines. You don't put yourself out of commission for being a follower of Christ. You don't lose your salvation. But what will happen is you can easily find yourself, it's like you're an injured football player, and you're watching the team play on the field, and for whatever reason, you're not. And we want to make sure we're in the game, so to speak. We are daily living for the Lord and making sure our family, our home, that we are growing, preparing ourselves for heaven. Because here's the truth. When we pass away, we will stand before God and meet Him in heaven. I've said it before, your last breath here on earth will then be your first breath in heaven. I don't actually think we'll breathe in heaven. We won't need oxygen to live. God's, God will keep us alive. But we will be there in the presence of the Lord. And we will then give an account of our life. And we want to make sure our time here, the time the Lord gives us here on earth, we are diligent in living for Him with any and every opportunity. About 12 years ago, about a dozen or so years ago, I was in a deacon's meeting in Georgia. And we had a church member. He was a deacon. And we were planning something called Trunk or Treat back then. And that's when folks go trick-or-treating in trunks of cars at the church. And this gentleman made a suggestion. And he suggested that we encourage all the children who attend dress up in Bible characters and costumes. And you know, when, throughout life, and you all know this, nothing surprises you anymore. doesn't matter what, what people say, David. You're just used to anything. And you are the same way, so you don't even fall out of your chair anymore when you hear unusual things. So, but I, I was sitting there thinking, but I'm a nice guy, I'm thinking, I don't know about that. I don't know if folks would dress up as Bible characters. <clears throat> Yesterday I went up to Paris with the King family. We went trick-or-treating last night in, up in Bourbon County. And I looked at the decorations. I looked at the costumes people wearing. And I thought about that deacon a dozen years ago. And I might agree with him now. There is a darkness with Halloween. There is a, um, 
evil influence of, of this special day here that we are in many ways not careful. We're giving homage to the devil. And we as believers need to make sure that many folks will say, well, you know, Christ, uh, Christians also celebrate Easter and Christmas, which is, if you trace back their history, they also have some very secular meanings to them. But there's a difference between Halloween, Christmas, and Easter. Christmas and Easter are all about Jesus. Everywhere you go, you will see, or you should see, about how Jesus died on a cross for Easter. He came out of a tomb. Christmas, Jesus is born of Virgin Mary, comes into the world as Emmanuel, the songs we sing. Halloween's not the case. There is no Christian uh, over, um, overture with this holiday. Halloween is now, after Christmas, the, in retail life, the second biggest holiday amount of money spent. Halloween used to be a time where you just dressed up as maybe a ghost, and you just went around with a bag in your neighborhood trick-or-treating. It has gotten big. Have y'all noticed this? Choir, have y'all noticed this? Am I speaking to a choir with this? Okay, good. Just make sure. So I'm not, so it's not those folks up there in Bourbon County. They're only doing that here in Lexington. We're not that way. But it is here in our city as well. I share this because the Bible warns us about the devil, and there is a reality of a demonic influence in our lives. We're going to see here. So I want you to turn your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. God's Word tells us, Be angry and do not sin. Anger is dangerous. Anger causes us to sin. If you cannot control your temper, if you are constantly, so-called, flying off the handle, losing control, you will find yourself saying and doing things that you regret. You will, have a, you will live a life of burned bridges. You all know this. You will look back at your life and you won't have any friends because you burned them all up as you went throughout life. Out of your out-of-control anger, harsh words, hateful statements. This is, where, this is what happens to people who can't control their anger. So the Bible is saying, if you're going to get angry, whatever you do, don't sin. Scripture is telling us, you must have control of your, your temper. It opens the door. It allows a crack for something to happen. Here's what that something is. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you have a fight with your spouse, what he means by that what Paul is writing to us, what God is speaking to us, is you don't let yesterday's problems continue to today because it leads to bitterness. If Sherry and I have a fight on Saturday, we have a disagreement, it shouldn't end up on Sunday. On Monday, and then we're not talking to each other, we're protesting, you're, st you're stabbing other people back, I'm going to get back to them. That's not how Christians live. You immediately, Jesus described forgiveness. Someone hurts your feelings. If someone has wronged you, He says, you leave your offering. You don't even put your offering. You stop at the altar. You turn around. And you go talk to that person. And you immediately take care of that problem. 
Because problems don't solve themselves on their own. Emotions just don't get dealt with. If there's a disagreement, if there's sin, if there's unconfessed sin, you deal with it immediately, then rather allow it to linger on day after day, week after week. So that's what he says here when he says, don't let the sun go down your anger, because you will become bitter. Bitter people are people, and they, they struggle with the lack of unforgiveness, they can't forgive others, and they're angry. They're just mad. They go through life, they're mad at everybody, and they're also angry about it. And the Lord is telling us, you as a believer, that's not for you. And this has to do with the devil, because here's what happens. So remember, we're talking about anger. We're talking about not allowing this to continue day after day. He says, and, verse 27, look at this. And don't give the devil an opportunity. The NIV Bible says, and don't give the devil a foothold. Meaning, if you're angry, if you're bitter, if you have unforgiveness, you are allowing the devil a foothold in your life. An opportunity in your life. So much of demonic influence for us is actually destroying us from within. You've been hurt. And you can't let go. And you carry that pain the rest of your life, all the way to your grave. And God is speaking to you this morning, saying, if you're doing that, you are allowing the devil, and nobody knows it but you and the Lord, you're allowing the devil to destroy you from within. You know, that's how a nation destroys itself. That's how Christians destroy themselves. That's how families destroy themselves. It's not external forces. It's from within. Your family will rot from within. Your marriage rots from within. Our nation, our city, it will be the moral decay from within that destroys our nation. And the same here in your personal life. Flip over here in your Bible now to the book of 1 Peter. So we see here that it is possible for us to give the devil an opportunity, an internal opportunity in our life. Temptation is from within. Last week we looked at King David. He stayed at home when he should have been at war, and sure enough, he meets Bathsheba. When you're out of position, you're guaranteed you're going to meet Bathsheba. But not only that, you meet the devil from when you refuse to forgive your brother, and you can't control your temper. He's right there. Look what it says. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look here at this scripture. And the Bible's going to tell us here that the devil is a roaring lion. Now, a roaring lion doesn't necessarily, it's loud, it's uh, fretful. Obviously, if you see a roaring lion, you're scared of your life. But it's a warning that a roaring lion is about to attack. And the devil wants to destroy you. Wants to put you and your family and your witness for Christ on the sidelines. God's Word tells us here in verse 6, 5, 6. In the same way, I'm in verse 5, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because 
You humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that He may exalt you at the proper time. So the Lord is telling us here, we need to make sure our lives are not exalted by ourselves, but we're humbling ourselves under the Lord. To humble, what that means for us, is that we are to accept the circumstances and the sufferings in our life. So much of the Bible tells us as Christians that our lives will be difficult and challenging. It will not be easy. Much of the book of 1 Peter here is a letter written by Peter. He's saying, you're going to endure suffering. Maybe not necessarily always physical suffering. It certainly could include physical suffering. Many of you are suffering physically right now. You're in pain. You're hurting. It's been hard to get to church. It's, it's painful to walk, to get out of bed, to get going, for whatever reason. But also, a lot of the suffering is suffering because of your family and what sin, the influences of sin in your life or your family's life. Other people have caused you to suffer because of sinful and poor choices they have made. And the Bible's telling us part of humility is accepting it, God might not take away this suffering you're going through. And you learn to live this life despite your suffering, you're continuing to live it for the Lord. You live it for King Jesus. He says here, in verse 7, casting all of your cares on Him because He cares about you. What an encouraging Bible verse. You bring your heavy heart to the Lord. You don't bring it to the gossip mill. You bring it to God. If you have a burden this morning, give it to Jesus. You give it to Him and say, Lord, you handle this situation. Because I don't know the answer. Look at this. Be sober-minded. Be alert. Meaning, don't, don't, don't be like a drunk person. You need to be alert, and here's why. He's going somewhere with this. Something is about to happen. When you are not aware of what's going on around you, your adversary, the, very, the word adversary means your, your, your person who's opposing you. Who is our adversary? Is it our neighbor? Is it the person you're sitting next to you on the pew? No. The Bible says your adversary, church, is the devil who prowls around Looking, he's, look at this, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. King David was out of position last week, we looked at. He got devoured, his family. He was attacked. In our life, when we are angry and upset with our sufferings, our circumstances, when we feel we've been hurt, we are allowing an opportunity, we are allowing a crack or a crevice in our life, and the devil sees that, and he seizes the opportunity. It's a roaring lion. Say, Pastor, illustrate this. What does it look like? You know, he spoke about worrying. You cast your cares on God. God does not want you to go through life worrying all the time. If you have a life of constant worry, that means you are, in many ways, 
doubting God. Listen, are you saved? Has Jesus bought you with the blood of the Lamb? Your name, the Bible says, is written in the book of life. You are His. The Bible says you are a child of God. You have the greatest inheritance in the world. And when you worry what you're doing, you have forgotten about that. You are saved. You are born again. You are the Lord's. Worry focuses on your circumstances, your sufferings, your disappointments, people who've wronged you, lack of money, poor health, whatever it is. That's what you're giving your attention and thinking to. And the Lord is saying, what about me? I've redeemed you. You are mine. I bought you with my son Jesus. And we need to make sure, you need to make sure that you have not replaced worry or the worship of the Lord with worry. You've come here with a heavy heart. You need to leave it at the altar of Jesus. Say, God, this is yours. We should have the attitude, this is the day those the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad into it. I'm glad because God has given me another day. Can you say that this morning? Are you happy to be here for the Lord? It's an audience of one. Jesus is who our attention is on, not on ourselves. He's saying here, you are allowing that foothold into your life, that opportunity for the devil to attack. <clears throat> what does the devil do? He's a roaring lion. He seeks to destroy your family. Your family is under attack. Did y'all know that? Choir, did y'all know that? Your family's under attack. Your grandkids, your children, they're under attack. And you need to be praying and looking for any opportunity to point your family towards the Lord. Bring them to church. Bring them to youth group. Let them know they need to get saved. Let them know you miss them. Whatever it takes, any and every opportunity, you use wisdom in pointing your family, creating a hedge around your house because your home is under attack. Your marriage is under attack too. Not only that, the devil seeks to destroy your faith. I want to tell you, the way he does that is he does it by worry. He does it by unforgiveness. He destroys your faith internally. External will be your family. Although it'll come through your home. Internally be through you. And it destroys your faith. It puts you on the sidelines. Do you know, um, I've been watching the baseball playoffs. I hope you watch it too. I, I like the Braves. They're playing. They're up three games to one on the Astros. And you can watch the World Series. I think game five is tonight. And um, baseball is a dangerous sport. Because you start out in early April. And you have to go all through the summer, all the way to the end of September where the season ends. Then the playoffs start in October. But those September games are what make or break it for many teams. And it's dangerous because if you're just not a good team, you get eliminated because you're like 30 games. You're like Baltimore or like uh, Colorado. You're out like 30 games out of the playoff contention, at the end of August. And you've been eliminated. So if you're like 
the Reds, and you're trying to get into the playoffs, and you look at your schedule, and you think, oh, we've got some games against the Rockies. They're in last place, and they're the worst team in the entire National League. These should be easy wins. Wrong. Those teams that have been already eliminated in September are the ones that always beat you because they have nothing to play for. They have nothing to play for. They're going into the game saying, our season's over. We've been eliminated from the playoffs. It's like a dead snake that bites. And they knock you out. You go into a four-game series, and you only win one game. And you just lost to the worst team in the entire league. You think, what is wrong? We can't beat this team? We don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I want to tell you, that is what the devil is like. He is the defeated foe. The Bible tells us that he, he is headed for the lake of fire. So what happens, because of free will, because of what happened in Genesis chapter 2, God allowed, until the end of the world, Satan to have some influence over people. And he looks for these opportunities to destroy your family, your life, your faith, and not only that, he seeks to destroy God's fame. And that's ultimately what he's going after. Because he knows he wants to rob. His enemy, ultimate enemy, is the Lord. Because the Lord cast him out of heaven in Isaiah chapter 14 and will send him to the lake of fire in Revelation chapter 20. And his, his job, his duty is to look for any opportunity as a defeated foe. It's like a team that's been eliminated from the playoffs to destroy their faith and to bring them down so they don't qualify. It's a dead rattlesnake that bites you. And we have to be keenly aware of people, of things, of circumstances especially, that pull us down. The dead rattlesnake that bites. Last verse here, it says in verse 9, Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The Bible tells us we are to resist the devil. Meaning you're going to get hit. You're going to get bit. It's going to happen. But you need to be aware you can overcome demonic influence in your life. When you are faced with temptation, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.13 that with every single temptation, God also provides a way out. And when you have allowed a crack or a crevice in your life, we have to have the humility to say, God, I'm going down a road. This is something. I'm at fault. I'm harboring unforgiveness. I need to, I need to apologize to this person. When you have an attitude, I, I didn't do anything wrong. If you ever made that statement, I'm not at fault. It's not my problem. They brought this upon themselves. That's a heart check moment. Anytime you make a statement like that, you need to hit pause on your life and say, wait a minute. Could it be me? Do I need to extend forgiveness? Could I be in error here? 
Because when you have that type of attitude, I'm right, they're all wrong, they're at fault, they need to come to me, that's it. that shows you have allowed an opportunity for the devil to take foothold. Now, many times in our life, we are, you are, can be a genuine victim. There are, there are times in your life where, uh, that people have wronged you. But I want to say, if you're having a family feud, if you've just been hurt by someone you love, that's an opportunity. That broken friendship, that broken marriage, the broken relationship with your children or grandchildren, you have to be the one to stop and extend for the purpose of reconciliation. I'm going to be the guy that offers the olive branch. Because my friendship my love for you means more than who's right and who's wrong. Flip over here in your Bible to Revelation chapter 20. This is where the devil ends up being. This is who the one who's tripping us up, who's causing us to fall. There's three lies the devil wants you to believe. We're going to be at Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 through 10. This is where he ends up. First lie is that saved people don't sin. The truth is, you are going to sin as a saved person. Now, you should sin less. You shouldn't accept it when you sin. You should ask for forgiveness. But even if you're a believer, you're saved. The Bible tells us you will stumble, you will fall. Number two, another lie we believe is some sins are beyond forgiveness. Jesus says the only sin that was not forgivable was the sin, the unpardonable sin, is when you give the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit's working in your life, and you say, no, that's not the Holy Spirit. That was the devil. You're, it's, it's called what they would call giving credit to what God is doing in your life to Satan. And ultimately what that sin is talking about, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, it's rejecting God, convicting you of sin, and drawing you to a cross. This morning, if you are spiritually lost and the Lord is bringing you to the cross, He's saying, trust in me. Have you received me as your Lord and Savior? And you constantly say, no, 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 no. That is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You're rejecting the Lord. Other sins, all other sins that we commit, the Lord forgives us. But not only that, He lies to us by God becomes weary, we believe, of repeated sins, and then he just eventually stops forgiving habitual sins. No, even if you're struggling with sin, no matter what it is, the Lord is gracious. He extends forgiveness. Because you have been saved by Jesus. He has defeated the enemy. Look at what happens to the devil. This is where Satan, the person that we honor and celebrate on Halloween, this is where he will end up. When you see someone dressed up tonight as the devil, as Satan, you should be reminded this is where he's going, this person. This is, this is true. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison. The book of Revelation says there will be a 1,000 year period after Christ returns and the devil will be locked up. A 1,000 year millennial reign with Christ. But after that thousand year period, uh, is he will be unlocked from his prison. 
Prison is, that is another word for hell. It, only the Lord is able to release people from hell. And this is the only time we see in the Bible someone who will go to hell and get released is the devil. He's, in, he's been released from his prison and he will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. They came up across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the encampment of the saints. Saints are Christians. The beloved city, the beloved city is Jerusalem. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. These are all the enemies of the gospel. The Lord destroys them. Look at this, verse 10. The devil who deceived them, that is what the devil does. He is in deception. So, so much of Halloween, folks, it's just deception. That's all it is. You take something that's a reality, demonic influence, and you make joke of it. And you mock it and laugh at it. And it's deception. The Bible tells us, don't be fooled. The devil fools people. In, in the end times, there will be great deception. There's great deception today. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur. That is hell. Where the beasts and the false prophet are. They had already been thrown into there. That's the Antichrist. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is the end of the devil. This, this character we mock is a reality God has a home for this person, this thing, in the lake of fire, a burning fire in sulfur, and it's constantly tor tormented. The lake of fire was created for the devil. But here's the sad truth. People who reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior, people who do not repent of their sins, go to the same place that was originally created for the devil. Why? Why would anyone choose to live this way? Not seeing the seriousness of trusting in Christ and living for Christ. Folks, this is serious. People who reject the Gospel. People who do not pray and receive Jesus into their life and say, I want to get saved. Do you know what you're saved from? You're saved from this. That's what it means to be saved. The lake of fire, burning sulfur, burning, ongoing flames. Jesus described hell as a place of gnashing in, of their teeth and weeping. There's a sense of consciousness. You're aware. You're alive. But you cannot leave this prison. Do you know in this Bible verse, in verse 7, that is the only time in the Bible we see where someone was in prison in hell and got released. And he was released for a short time. It was only the devil. And then God sent him right back forever. There is not a purgatory. There is not a, a holding cell. There isn't this place that we go to to prepare us for heaven. When we die, our eternal fate is sealed. Your family, your children, your grandchildren, Folks, if they aren't saved, you should be daily praying them to Jesus Christ. Are you, do you know of a lost person? Do you know of someone who does not know Jesus? Sherry had me watching a Tom Cruise movie this past week. 
You know, it's what middle-aged women like, Tom Cruise. <laughs> so I'm watching this movie with her. And of course, he, man, his shirt always comes off. He's good-looking. That's how, long hair. You know, he's 59 years old. So while she's watching this, I Google the guy. I just say, who, who's Tom Cruise? I start reading about his life. Yes, Tom Cruise might be a good-looking man for all the women. He might be very muscular. But, you know, I was reading about his life. And, folks, it's sad. Do y'all know that choir? He's gone through three, three different marriages. He's a, what's the, it's, he's a member of a cult. What's it called? Scientology. His beliefs are bizarre. Beyond bizarre. He's a great actor. But he is lost. Lost. That is someone who needs to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Tom Cruise needs to repent and believe in Christ. That's his only hope. And in your life, we read about the devil. We read about the devil here. He's looking for opportunities of deception. He's looking for that foothold to destroy you from within. He's a roaring lion that looks for opportunities to devour. And folks, if it's not you, it's going to be someone you love. It's going to be someone in your home, someone in your family, your college, your college grandson, your, 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 your grown daughter, for whatever reason, they have been bitten by this lion. And their only hope is to turn to Christ and repent and say, Jesus, save me, forgive me, restore me, make me new again. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Because there might be some folks, there are likely some folks who are not saved this morning. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Folks, I want you to pay attention. Because the past three weeks, we have gone through the dangers of demonic influence. The danger of temptation. How it destroys lives. And maybe it has destroyed your life. And you need to repent of your sin and ask Jesus to save you. I'm going to give you this opportunity to do this right now. I want you to pray along with me. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to say this prayer if you want to get saved. My job as a preacher is to teach you how to be saved from this place called the lake of fire and sulfur. And no one's getting released from it. I'm not doing my job if I can't point you to salvation. You say this prayer if you want to get saved this morning. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I have sinned against you. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Wash me of my sins. Restore my soul. Jesus, from this day on, I'm yours. Alright. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you said that prayer, I want you to look up. Look up at me. Thank you. Thank you. That means you're saved. You've trusted in Christ as your Savior. All right, I want everybody to look up. We're going to have our invitation. If you responded to Jesus this morning, myself and Brother Hurd are going to be standing down front. You come take our hands and say, I got saved. I'm not going to this place in Revelation chapter 20. Folks, every single one of us at some point in our life, we make this decision 
and we make it public. I hope you're proud to follow Christ publicly. You shouldn't be ever embarrassed to follow Jesus. I'm not. I hope you're not either. We, we dress up as inappropriate costumes for the devil with no shame. Going back to that original story, maybe we do need to dress up as Jesus in Bible characters. We honor our lives with Him. Let's stand together. Brother Heard, you come stand down front here with me. If you want to make your decision public, which you should because Christ tells us to, you come take Brother Heard's hand, you come take my hand and say, I got saved this morning. Sing with me.